Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Anna Gray and Jim Brown. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to our show, Dateline Louisiana, here with my co-host, Ronna Gray. Ronna, you ready for a good show today? Always, Jim. Always. They're all good. Well, let's follow up. But We don't want to delve massively into politics, but we did have a national election, the congressional elections, not for president, but for the U.S. Senate. Uh, for one-third of the senators are elected. They're elected on a rotating basis and every member of the U.S. Congress. And there were some real surprises in this election all over the country, weren't there? There were definite surprises, depending on uh, which side you're on, I would guess. I will say polling was a little more accurate this cycle than it has been in the past. Hopefully some of the pollsters have figured out what the problems are. But um, I think definitely some people were very surprised at the outcome. Well, uh, we want to talk about Louisiana. We have a Louisiana show, but I think we can draw some conclusions. I think a lot of people thought there would be what they call the red wave, where Republicans would uh, take over uh, often, rather regularly, inversely, every uh, president, rather uh, midterm election between the president's four years, the two-year cycle, that uh, the party in power loses a number of congressional seats. That's traditionally what happened. And then this time around, you've got uh, President Biden, whose popularity stays just above 40 percent. You have the inflation rate that's gone up to 10 percent. I I would argue that that's just not Biden's fault. That happens all over the world. But still, uh, if you're in power, you're stuck with with the bottom line. You own it, right. And then uh, gas prices, uh, the, the high cost of gasoline is a factor, crime throughout this country. And so you add all that up, and it should have been a bad year for Democrats. But quite frankly, it was not, was it? No, it's amazing. Voters seem to separate the two. Like you said, Biden doesn't have really high favorable ratings at all, only slightly above what President Trump's were. Uh, yet voters seem to separate all that. They seem to separate the president from Congress, and they seem to make their decisions on policy issues that um, that the Congress votes on. And the, the obviously some of the things that have come out of the Supreme Court made a difference there. I think the so, abortion issue certainly had an effect. Definitely on- in motivating, especially in Pennsylvania, motivating young Gen Z voters, as they call them. Uh, it, in Pennsylvania, it made a huge difference, and that is the one seat that was flipped. So that's a big deal. No doubt about it. And so uh, uh, but look, we want to bring this home, and our focus is Louisiana. And so was there a huge shakeup? <laughs> and I'm being a little facetious because it seems like you're an incumbent. Uh, the first thing you do is start raising money. And then when you have that money, it's awfully hard to beat an incumbent in the state of Louisiana. It certainly is hard to beat an incumbent almost anywhere, but certainly here in Louisiana, it seems to be a lot of comfort. It's amazing how hard it is to find anyone in Congressman Clay Higgins' district who likes him, and yet he wins overwhelmingly re-election. But if you talk to people over there, they're just like, oh, my gosh, no, we got to get rid of that guy. And then it's just a huge uh, tidal wave, as they say, of support for him. Yeah, so, you, you, and you're right. That's 
that's uh, southwest Louisiana. Right. Uh, Lafayette, Lake Charles area. That's right. That whole flow. For our and uh, out-of-state listeners. And uh, he's pretty controversial. He's a more controversial congressman, I guess, than we have the most we have in Louisiana. He's controversial. He's very conservative, very in line with Trump, more so than some of the others are, although they all, I guess, supported him. But he just seems to be more from that Trump mold of the Republican Party and yet, you know, sail to reelection. And you're right. He caught, he catches a lot of criticism in the press, at least. Had a pretty good opponent, a, a very popular DA that ran against him, and Higgins just beat the heck out of, out of yeah. his opponent. And so, and as you said, uh, uh, he's about. I think he's more far right than Donald Trump is. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and says some outrageous things. Yes. Uh, but he still got elected. Uh, he is. Uh, I think he's on on the committee that. Uh, in the House that that uh, deals with immigration, and so uh, uh, it would be interesting to see if, if now that the House it looks like uh, is going to go as far as Republicans, the Democrats are going to lose the House by a very slim margin. That Higgins will have a subcommittee chairmanship, something like that. So he'll have a pulpit to keep beating his his horse on, and with uh, Trump coming back and announcing for president now. Uh, Higgins will be in his uh, uh, in his mode of operation. He'll be there sw- swinging the bats, won't he? Absolutely. What I think is going to be interesting with the slim margin in Congress is I think we're going to see some Republican congressmen who, um, you know, are perhaps swing voters and hold wield a lot of power by sort of playing with the Democrats a little bit. So. I think Republicans really needed that wider margin to to make them safer than what they got. And it, it is unbelievable, as you said, that in the beginning that we um, had such a, a turnout that we had and that the Democrats didn't lose more than they lost going into what everyone thought was going to be a blowout. But I think you're going to have some moderate Republican congressmen, who, such as uh, Garrett Graves in Louisiana, Congressman Graves, if he wants to, could be he represents a capital city here that typically votes Democratic. So if he wants to, he could be more of a player on both sides, similar to what Bill Cassidy has done in the Senate. On the other hand, with the pendulum could go the other way. You've got the people like Clay Higgins, who who have talked about uh, Marjorie Greene, the ultra conservative uh, Republican congresswoman and other Matt Getz out of Florida, who may cause some havoc with the Speaker of the House, Speaker McCarthy, and and they may line up to even swing it the other way and not let the Republicans get the majority they need to pass anything. So, uh, uh, and, and Republicans don't control the agenda because the Senate is gone now Democratic. But uh, the fact remains it's going to be... Uh, uh, I was going to I was going to use the term Mexican standoff, but I think <laughs> I don't that, think we use that anymore. We don't use that anymore. That's not appropriate. Is it producer Chris? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's appropriate. We used to talk about that all the time. But uh, any event uh, on both sides is my point, left and right. You're going to see some real problems with the speaker and the leadership. And we're going to talk about that leadership because, again, it includes another Louisiana congressman. But 
reaching a consensus from their position, whatever it may happen to be. And since I brought up Steve Scalise, uh, it's been quite a rise considering 10 years ago he was a state representative in Louisiana, and now he's the majority leader of the uh, uh, the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, he's been on quite a run, and he's it's interesting because he is it's obviously safe in Louisiana to be a um, election denier, as they call it, because he's he stayed steady with Trump, and it has not hurt him at all in the leadership role that he plays there in in Congress. And I think there was some a little bit of sympathy. That's not the reason. The fact that the horrendous thing that happened to him being shot uh, when the Democrats were playing Republicans in a in a baseball game just terrible. But there's some sympathy. And plus, and I know Steve Scalise pretty well. He's a very likable guy. So I think his likability, a little bit of the sympathy factor. And then from what I can tell, what I read, he works very, very hard, as does McCarthy, to stay in touch with the members and try to do favors for them and and, uh, communicate a good bit, all that leads to his popularity. And no one major took him on. He was unanimously voted uh, to be the majority leader. Interesting that term majority leaders affects Louisiana. You know, we had a very strong majority leader back in the late 1960s and early 1970s, Hale Boggs. He was majority leader for a number of years, was uh, on his way to be the Speaker of the House, uh, uh, which is uh, second or third in line to being president behind the vice president. And uh, Hale Boggs went up to help a fellow congressman up in Alaska, up in in a small town in Alaska, apparently. They went over a bunch of real rugged mountains, heavily uh, covered with snow, uh, and uh, the plane crashed, and they never found his body, the plane, anything about it. They figure it's buried under mountains of snow that one day— with climate change, with climate everything change, warming up. Yeah. I'm afraid we're going to uh, find yeah. hail Boggs uh, with so everything melting. His wife, Lindy Boggs, became a very popular uh, successor to hail Boggs as a congressman. And then we had Bob Livingston, right. uh, who was uh, uh, right there in line to be majority leader and speaker of the House. And uh, his star, the luster in his star, uh, uh, came off because— uh, he admitted to having an affair when he was criticizing Bill Clinton for having an affair. But he was there to be the the uh, speaker. So interesting to see that the little state like Louisiana has some leadership that's been in the top echelons on a number of occasions in the past. Right. And Steve Scalise's name was actually floated out as a possible candidate for speaker about a week before it all settled back down there and they nominated uh, – McCarthy there. But you're right. We were thinking Hal Boggs could have been speaker. Bob Livingston could have been speaker. Now Steve Scalise may be going for it. It would have been a powerful position for Louisiana. But um, politics, what they are now, you know, it's not just holding on to a slim margin, but sometimes we've seen with the speakers, their own party throw them out, um, force them out. The couple of speakers have been forced out on the Republican side just because it is a lot. The the party's not united as it once was. They have different factions there, and you're managing an awful lot of people in the House of Representatives. No doubt. 
Well, now, other members of Congress uh, all have fared pretty well. Congressman Mike Johnson out of Shreveport, a former state representative, was unopposed. And now uh, he is the chairman of the Republican uh, Leadership Caucus. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> so he's in a fairly powerful position from Shreveport uh, and uh, apparently pretty popular, uh, strong right candidate, though, very, very conservative. Very conservative, yeah, yes. Uh-huh. But again, you can't argue with the fact that uh, people responded to Mike Johnson's and he had no op- opposition. That's very rare if you go unopposed. Right. And then we have um, Congresswoman Letlow up from the northeastern part of our state. Of course, that district runs all the way down to near Baton Rouge where we are. Talk about gerrymandering, which will be a topic for Another day, that district has really gotten more and more gerrymandered over the years. But obviously, she took the place of her husband, who was elected, Luke Letlow, elected, and then unfortunately passed away with COVID before he took office. Before he took office, right. So they had a special election. And uh, uh, Congresswoman Letlow, who was an administrator at the University of, of Louisiana in Monroe, Apparently pretty popular and very liked up there in Washington, was easily reelected this last time. Uh, She's uh, the low person on the totem pole in terms of our delegation. So she's not built up a strong following in terms of committee chairmanships, but she's very popular and will grow as long as she stays. It looks like she's pretty, pretty well locked into staying up there for a long time. Like you said, the 5th District, Northeast Louisiana. it covers such a huge area because there's no pop because of the population, a minor population there. There's not a lot of people, very rural parishes, and it comes from uh, over around Menden all the way across to the Mississippi border, down covering the boot of Louisiana over to East and West Louisiana, St. Helena. So it's by far the largest district in the state. And uh, so she's got her work cut out for her, just staying in touch, carrying on a family life, raising a couple of Young kids. children, right. Yeah. So, but anyway, she's very popular. And uh, so uh, she will emerge into some kind of leadership position if she stays healthy and if she uh, stays up there for some if time. It's something she wants to do. I think she has been good at it. You do question. She had her own career. She has young children now, single parent, is that, you know, Congress is not, to me, the prestige that it used to be. Sometimes people get up there and have enough of the squabbling and decide, let someone else do this. So you're right. She she has a bright future if that's something she wants to do. Uh, it has been the jumping off point for congressmen. We've had a number of congressmen run for governor of Louisiana. Edwin Edwards uh, was elected uh, for a four-term governor, was elected from Congress. Uh, Buddy Romer uh, uh, was elected from Congress. You had Bob Levingston, who was on the verge of either being speaker or governor, lost them both, but he ran statewide uh, uh, as a congressman. Uh, And you've got several um, members of Congress flirting with the governor's race this time that we'll talk about a little later. So we talked about Congressman Letlow and Johnson. That covers all of North Louisiana. Then we come down to the Baton Rouge area. And you mentioned Garrett Graves before. Uh, seems like he's a very popular congressman here, easily reelected. Nice-looking guy, got a good family. 
And so, uh, and he deals with a subcommittee that he's, uh, I think he's chairman of dealing with climate change. And so, uh, uh, but with now, and I don't know what that'll mean in terms of the new house makeup, but he does have that membership. And then the question is, he's been flirting for some time with running for governor. And so will he give up uh, being in the House of Representatives to come back uh, home and run for governor? And that's a question, again, we'll talk about later when we look at some of the statewide races. Yeah, he's got a very safe district there. Of course, I'm uh, also going to bring up gerrymandering because a large swath of his district was moved into Congressman Troy Carter's district in New Orleans so you have Congressman Troy Carter from New Orleans representing the city of New Orleans, but also representing a large part of Baton Rouge because of the way the districts are oddly drawn. So Garrett's got a very uh, safe district there for him, um, and he, he could run for governor and hold on to his seat and stay in Congress. He and he ran a lot. Of, he was, uh, wasn't really criticized for doing it. You can spend your campaign funds any way you want, but... He spent a lot of money on the television market in New Orleans and surrounding areas. And some people said, well, he's got a Uh handful of people there that he represents. But uh, it it was kind of overkill with all the money he spent. So is that his way of getting his name out there uh, as far as the governor's race? But whatever his motivations. uh, That district does run all the way down to Homa. He could justify it by getting into those parishes and all. But. Um, have we missed anybody in in our congressional delegation? Well, you mentioned Troy Carter, who's the only Democrat. He's African-American. And his district, like you say, comes from New Orleans all the way to Baton Rouge and off in some of the side parishes because of gerrymandering, because of the fact that you uh, they, they were, that was created as a minority district. So and it's uh, no uh, it's going to always be represented by an African-American in that district. Troy Carter is there. Uh, beat uh, uh, at the head of the the Democratic Party, uh, Karen Peterson is who he beat when he was first elected uh, a few years back, has been a staunch Biden supporter, very popular in his district, had minor opposition this time. Troy Carter doesn't have any further ambitions. I think he'd like to stay there in the House and uh, build up some seniority. And if the House is ever uh, taken back over by the Democrats, you'll be in the position for some kind of a leadership position. And his predecessor, Cedric Richmond, it served him well. He ended up in the White House being an early backer of Joe Biden and went to work in the White House. He's he's moved on now helping congressional Democrats get reelected. But um, certainly it, it worked well for him, that district did. That's representing... The two largest cities in Louisiana has nothing nothing to sneeze at. Well, on balance, I think you'd have to say that Louisiana and now, well, let, 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 before I make that conclusion, let's talk about uh, the Republicans in the Senate. We've got two senators. Both are very ambitious. Uh, the Senate is not going to be controlled by the Republicans. And so the two U.S. senators have to weigh well. Are we just going to wait it out in, in the minority where we don't have much stroke? We're not a committee chairman. Uh, is it a little boring for them? And and both U.S. senators are talking about coming back home to focus on running for governor. I don't think there's any chance that both of them will run. <clears throat> They're friends. They 
both up there in Washington, D.C. They're certainly going to be sit down and have a tete-a-tete about it, and I think one will end up running out of the two. Uh, Cassidy is in a little more tenuous position because he voted to impeach Donald Trump, and he's been uh, that little swing, more moderate wing of the Republican Party that, quite frankly, has built up a lot of opposition and enemies for doing so. And the question is, can he get reelected four years from now in a conservative state like Louisiana? And if he thinks there's a problem, then maybe he takes a shot at running for governor and comes back home where you've got more independents and, and moderates and can pick up some African-American vote. And so that may be in his line of thinking. And he announced last week that he's going to opt to make an announcement here in the next few weeks. Right. Um, of course, John Kennedy didn't let the uh, dust settle from his reelection before he released a poll showing him leading in the governor's race. Uh, for 48 hours, he waited. <laughs> I've never, ever heard of someone getting reelected right. and immediately saying, I'm seriously considering another office. They usually pretend to want to serve the people they, that just voted them back in. And all those donors who gave him those tens of millions of dollars to run that race, you usually pretend for a little while longer. After all, qualifying is not next week. So I don't know what the rush was, but he jumped right in. You got a year and, and a lot, you know, a, a significant number of those donors are from out of state. They don't really care that much about who's governor of Louisiana. Yeah, they, they, you're right. They were holding on to that Senate seat. You're that's, right. That's right. So Kennedy is going to announce in a couple of weeks, too. And like I say, uh, I think that bo- both of, of these senators think, well, we're not in the majority, so therefore we're not going to have much of an office and we're not going to have a committee chairmanship. And so as a consequence, do we consider all our, our alternatives? I agree with you 100 percent. But when did we decide to run for office? And if it's not entertaining enough for us, then, oh, well, we'll just go run for something else. When did that become okay? Right. Well, <laughs> uh, the voters are very tolerant down this state, and so uh, uh, they didn't seem to be all that rattled by it. Not but, at all, right. Yeah. We're going to see how tolerant they are because, as you mentioned, Cassidy, I don't know that he broke with the Republican Party that much in voting. He did occasionally. But you're right, the impeachment vote stung some people. And then once Biden was elected, he went to work with them on the bipartisan infrastructure bill and delivered pretty well, I would say, for Louisiana on some of the money that we're getting to repair and replace our crumbling bridges and roads and ports and everything else that desperately needs the funding. But they're mad at him about that, too. He's got people in his own party that are furious with him for working with the Democrats. and the Even like, though Louisiana got a lot, oh, a lot of the infrastructure money, that's yes, right. So, yes, yes, and, and, and by contrast, Garrett Graves wasn't on board like he was, but happy to come announce how much he's the, they've delivered for Louisiana right. while Cassidy takes the heat on that. So um, it'll be interesting. But I think the story of the week for me is Clay Higgins <laughs> winning re-election with 64% of the vote. Against some decent opponents, as you mentioned, it just tells you how conservative our state is right now. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. 
Well, Ronald, that's our show for the day. We're gonna we'll talk next week about that governor's race and uh, all the various people that affected and the domino effect. Because if someone gives up their seat to run for governor, then there's another opening there. So for some legislator, whoever. So we'll talk about that in our show. You could, if you want to find out out more about our show and listen to all of our past programs. Go to DatelineLouisiana.com. That's DatelineLouisiana.com. You can email us, Huey at DatelineLouisiana.com. That's Huey at DatelineLouisiana.com. Hey, Ron, I have a good week. We'll talk to everybody next week. Uh, Producer Chris, thanks for your help, and we'll be talk to everyone again soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Ronna Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Rana, visit DatelineLouisiana.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.